Hi, I'm Anna Marie Cox, and this is me being reasonable. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel Dresner, and Anna, I'm glad I fell into your universe. Welcome to Space the Nation, where we look at science fiction through the lens of loss of strength gradient and ultimate ensemble theory. Today, we'll be talking about Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, which I do want to point out saying in the multiverse of madness suggests that there are other kinds of multiverses. Does it not, Dan? I am kind of curious. Non-mad multiverses. What does the multiverse of sanity look like? Because I want to go there. I would we love are not to there. there. We're, that we're, is one year. We, we are in the multiverse of madness. Let's just face it that like this is where we live. So it's actually an appropriate title. Yes. So I'm I just, you know, I'm just pointing it out. Yep. In the next few weeks, we'll be talking about Gattaca and strange new worlds. Or I keep on wanting to say that as strange new worlds, <laughs> like, like a very Kirkian way to put yeah, it. This, well, the Shatner way would be like strange new worlds like that. You, you, gotta have, you, gotta, you have to have the odd pause. That's how it works. Yeah. We've also added on Station Eleven. We are always taking suggestions. And a great way to make suggestions is to be active on our Discord. Unfortunately, you can only be on our Discord if you're a patron. Dan, how do people become patrons? So if you go to the Patreon website, patreon.com slash space the nation, there are handy buttons there where you could decide to become a patron and then join the Discord and also have access to monthly AMAs. There's potential swag. There are patron-only episodes. There's a lot of bells and whistles that come with being a patron. And then there's our occasional newsletter. <laughs> it comes out. I try to keep people guessing. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. some weeks it comes out. Some weeks it doesn't. Some weeks it comes out on a Wednesday. Who knows? It's a random element to your universe, which you can use to jump versus. Perhaps I was going to say it's a multiverse of madness, Anna. I mean, I, I, people expecting a regular newsletter. I don't know what they're thinking. <laughs> You can also make suggestions via Twitter. We are both on there way too much. I am at Anna Marie Cox. And I am at Dan Dresner. Dan, are you happy? (laughs) Which is a question that recurs throughout Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And I think the answer is I'm happier than Stephen Strange. (laughs) That is admittedly a low bar given the weight of the world's plural universes on his shoulders. But I am good. Classes are over here at Fletcher, which means that the next four months are devoted to writing and research, or as my parents put it, not doing anything. (laughs) I have been having this real internal struggle lately about work, Mm -hmm. like what is work for people like us. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. It's like a real thing that I have yet to crack, like at 50, to like sometimes feel totally good about doing something that other people look at and are like, what are you doing? Lazy bones, <laughs> watching TV, reading. That's not work. It's work. You know what, listeners? It's, it's a little bit of work. It's a lot of fun. I'm not going to lie. I enjoy doing this with Anna, but there is work involved and there is no shame in that work being involved. And is there shame in looking at it as being work? But I enjoy it. It makes me we happy. are compensated for our labor sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. This particular project. A <laughs> little less so. But the psychic so. enjoyments are phenomenal. Anna, are you happy? I am happier. It's That's... not a great context right now. <laughs> yeah. Things in this universe kind of bad. But on a hour-to-hour basis, I'm pretty good. How's that? That's right. I think that's all you can ask for at certain times. Yeah. Dan, why are we talking about this Doctor Strange movie? 
So we were going to do, and we apologize to listeners because we occasionally say this is the sequence and then we hop, skip, and jump around the sequence. We were going to do Gattaca, but decided to flip things around because, after all, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness came out last Friday. And, you know, it's been a while since we've done something from the MCU, and this does seem like an appropriate sci-fi-y thing to do. It's, in some ways, one of the more sci-fi entries, right? Yeah. We'll be talking about the way that it's a horror entry. Oh, it's definitely a horror entry, yes. Although we definitely considered the whole MCU to be sci-fi in terms Mm -hmm. of our podcast. Yes. You know, there are more and less kind of sci-fi entries Mm -hmm. into that canon. I also will point out, this is my way of adolescently rebelling against Adorno, my hero. Because he would have fucking hated the entire (laughs) concept of the MCU. And he definitely would have hated this entry to it, I think. Yeah. We'll we'll get get to that a little bit. But like (laughs) the last two, I think, of the MCU films, Adorno would be like, you see? You fucking see? I told you. (laughs) Speaking of I told you so, what is the Chekhov's what's it in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness? So for me, Anna, I know this isn't, entirely accurate but as far as i'm concerned it's the minotaur at kamartage that goes totally unexplained like whenever we shoot to kamartage there's just a minotaur there that there's no explanation for it i kept thinking of anchorman 2 where like the minotaur <laughs> shows up and so it's just hey wait is that history isn't that more like mythology what's it doing there like that's i, that, I couldn't stop thinking of that <laughs> so i do have a a long wikipedia entry to read to you <laughs> If you are that curious, but this is something that touches on Adorno's fury, as well as how much do you need to know going into this movie? Yes, which is something we will discuss. This is a super fan service-y movie. Mm -hmm. Like, really lots there. If you know, that's Mm -hmm. the thing. Like, it's a lot like WandaVision in that way, too. Like, Mm -hmm. if you know the nitty-gritty of the MCU, there's a lot of details for you to take joy in or argue about or whatever. And that Minotaur is from the comic books. His name is Rintra. (laughs) Sure. He's also originally green. How about that? Okay. Good to know. He's from Reval. 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 Yeah, Reval. And he's whatever. He's a pal of Doctor Strange's. Okay. Then so he's there, but I had the same reaction, which is like, again, are we fantasy? Are we science fiction? <laughs> yes. What is happening? There is kind of an interesting kind of epistemological question about this movie, which is the idea of the difference between witchcraft and science fiction, right? The fantasy versus right. Well, it's like even magic versus superhero. Well, the, the superheroes weird part... are not traditionally magical, right? But the weird part is, well. So I'm going to push back on that. They're like, you know, even in the DC universe, there are superheroes that are, you know, rely on witchcraft or whatever. What seemed bizarre to me was that the movie kept making a distinction between witchcraft and sorcery. And <laughs> it's I, just sexist. I, I confess. It's just pure sexism. <laughs> is that it? Like, because I, I was like, they kept making that distinction. I'm like, wow, I really, you know, I got to go back to studying the SATs because like I would have called those two synonyms. So, yeah. Do you remember what the... What is it? That, what I'm going to say, I always want to say the Falcon and the Snowman because it's not that. But it's a oh, the, and uh, the Falcon and Winter Soldier. Winter yes, Soldier. Yes, yes, yes. That a sorcerer is a wizard with a hat. Oh, is that, that, that where it came from? That's right. Yeah. Okay, yes. But that's also wizard and not witch. I guess wizards are more connected to witches. But I agree. See, well, 
yes, in this particular universe, we have two spell casting superheroes. Right. For some reason, I've never thought about it in Doctor Strange's place in the Avengers as being weird that he uses magic and they use various types of quasi-scientific tech is the way tech? i would put it i will say yeah. that like in the way at least within the mcu and in the first doctor strange it's like, it, it's implied that what doctor strange is doing is sort of an extension of science it's a weird one yeah it's metaphysical it's, like, yes yes it, exactly yeah 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 it's, and and like in i just watched all the st- the spider-mens uh, this, this, <laughs> yes yes and there is that I did absolutely love the scene of bringing together all the different Spider-Men it's from good. movies past. Yeah. And there is the the line, "Oh, so magic is real in this universe?" <laughs> which which gets at the difference between superhero superheroics and, and supernatural superheroes or supernatural yeah. heroics. Yeah. We are not even talking about the movie yet, so we should probably <laughs> we get should. into the movie. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Let's do that. Wait, what was your Chekhov's what's it? I said Chekhov's Wanda. I don't ah, know. Fair like enough. it there's barely any real gotcha there. It, no. it it I actually was almost mad at the movie, which you will get into, but the this idea that they present her as kinda like very pleasant and trimming apple trees and then it's like, <laughs> Oh no, not really. She's still pissed off. Yep. Like yeah, I, yeah. I was almost like, just go to pissed off, Wanda. Like just <laughs> Like, why? Anyway. Oh, okay. So we'll talk about this, but let's get to the story behind the story. And yeah, so let's get to that scene that I just talked about. Right, which is admittedly, <laughs> you know, there's not always a huge story behind the story with the MCU since the MCU is sort of oh this long, God. heavily plotted thing. But I will say that what makes this movie unusual is that they got a name director to, that you, one does not always associate with, with the MCU to do it, which is Sam Raimi. So how did that happen on it? So Sam Raimi, yes, veteran horror filmmaker, but also a veteran of the Spider-Mens, mm-hmm. one of the Spider-Men. Yeah. He was actually the second director they approached. Um, mm-hmm. The first director was the director of the first Doctor Strange movie, Scott Dickerson. Derrickson. Scott Derrickson. Scott Derrickson. And he was with the movie for a while, and then they had, quote unquote, creative differences. Uh, there's lots of Hollywood gossip about what those differences were. But one article I read said sometimes it just doesn't work out. You know, yeah. like, because there's no even, they couldn't even find gossip about what the problem was. Derrickson is going on to direct a Joe Hill adaptation, which I will look forward to seeing. Mm-hmm. Raimi apparently just came up within the MCU offices or whatever. Like, there's no story about why they went to him. Oh, okay. Although, yes. they were already envisioning this Doctor Strange as having a horror tinge. Oh, good. Yeah, Raimi is appropriate in that sense. Yes, right. And also, Raimi has a history with Feig, which is the who's the the guy that is the master of the MCU. (laughs) They've made some movies together. This is also interesting. You you know, Marvel has something of a tradition at this point of picking out indie directors to Mm -hmm. to give them their first big superhero movie. Right. And obviously, Raimi is not an indie sensation. At least he's not anymore. No. Another, he was for a long time, however, to be fair. Yeah, and he's produced a bunch of indie stuff, too. Yeah. And the other thing that people have conjectured about picking Raimi, again, Marvel hasn't said almost anything about this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and all Raimi has said is that he was reluctant to at first because there was bad reviews of Spider-Man 3. Oh, uh, yeah. And also... He had a bad experience with his Wizard of Oz movie. Do you remember that he made a Wizard of Oz movie? No, wait. He didn't do... 
I remember there being some. He, there was like a Johnny Depp Wizard of Oz like three years ago. Oh uh, no, I have no memory of this. Wow. It, Maybe I was dust during the, the snapshot or something. Like, I have no Maybe memory six years of this. ago. Anyway, I'm not going to look it up because I don't remember it at all. And I remember there, it got made. Wait, are, is it Johnny? De- I remember there being... Is this the one with James Franco and, like, the, the Oh, you know witches? what? I confuse... I get, I get my, you know, broody anti-heroes confused. I think you're right. I okay. It's Franco. Yes, it is Franco. I do remember that. Like, yeah, because it was Mila Kunis and Rachel Weiss and I can't remember the third one. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I have some vague memories of that, but not not a lot of them. So apparently had a bad experience with that. So this is okay. going back to a big studio. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that what they did was say, Mr. Raimi, here's a check. <laughs> 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 Let us explain why you should do this movie. Mm-hmm. We will put a bag full of money that magically just refills over and over and over in front of you. That is uh, some powerful witchcraft is all I'm saying. Yeah. And another thing that, again, this is the ch- conjecture that people have made as far as like why Marvel went to him, that they wanted to expand the so-called Marvel house style, hmm. which is that they wanted to expand the Marvel house style, which is something Martin Scorsese has commented on. So oh, has he? I wasn't aware. No. Did, I, somewhat cookie cutter. Yeah. And, okay. You know, they sort of did that with the Eternals and that worked out great. So <laughs> no, 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 it didn't. I know you were being sarcastic, but I want to be very clear to our listeners that we did not think that worked out terribly well. No, that's not a good movie. It's, no. it's very much not a good movie. Yeah. This experiment, I, I think, again, we'll discuss it further, but yeah. I think it worked out pretty well. I, just a couple more things as far as story behind the story. Mm-hmm. Wanda was always going to be the villain. Yeah. I guess there were sort of different journeys as to how she got there, but she was always going to be the villain, and this was always going to take place after WandaVision. Oh, okay. It was supposed to take place before Spider-Man No Way Home, and now in the canon, it is after Spider-Man okay. No Way Home, although there's not a lot of references to it. I don't really it. think it makes that big of a difference, but yeah. I Just for completeness. Yeah. There we go. The other thing I want to say is that people were really excited that America Chavez was going to be in this. Mm-hmm. And she's in it technically. But I felt like it wasn't like a very like well fleshed out role, let's say. Like I think she does the actress does a lot what she can with it. Mm-hmm. Or the actress does what she can with it, but I just for the first Latina superhero in a MCU movie could have used some more i don't know some more stuff also she's being presented as as one of the queer heroes in the marvel universe and perhaps that is true but she just has that little flag pin and i don't know if that's <laughs> i mean i don't how do i put this i, I mean i have trouble like yeah her parents her are, parents are gay. are gay that's that's been yeah. very clear i would describe her i mean they don't give her sexuality. They don't she give her. She's asexual. Man. Yeah, I would say she's asexual yeah. in the in the movie. Which Maybe is not, she pre- represents asexuality. Sure. Yeah. Cool. Okay, we but can go with that. It, it, it's. I think there could have been more done. Let's put it this way: if she recurs, I suspect we will. There will be more that is revealed. Yes. Yes. Just also as a character too, right? Yeah. Again, yeah. like I think the actress does a lot right. with what's there, but it's just such. You know, I guess it is called Doctor Strange. I will say Whatever. that my my teenage daughter, who is gay, is was excited about this character, and I think is also excited because apparently in the comics, 
America Chavez like interacts a lot with Kate Bishop. And you could see like Marvel is setting up the sort of next generation of superheroes that way. So, you know, maybe that'll happen down the road. Also, I think canonically she is black Hispanic. She's Afro Latino. And that is not the case here. No. So some people have said things about that. I will okay. simply put it out there that those things were said. I could get upset about some things in this movie. You will hear me <laughs> get upset. You will get about upset about it, yes. That's not the one I'm going to get spend spend my energy on. Okay. So, fair enough. All right. All right, we're finally going to get to the goddamn movie. <laughs> all right, let's start with the plot. Act 1. Does anyone ever thank you for saving the universe? No. So, Stephen Strange is experiencing some strange dreams and some sad reality. In his dreams, he and America Chavez are fleeing from a demon in a place I'm going to call the Raimiverse. It ends with Strange dying, America exiting the Raimiverse, and our Doctor Strange waking up from a nightmare. Meanwhile, in his daily life, Strange is living with the consequences of the snapshot, including having to attend Christina Palmer's wedding as the ex. Anna, have you ever had to do this? I have, but I'm just curious. I have once. Yes, same one. And it was great. Like, they were clearly <laughs> meant for each other. Aww. It, like, funny story. Like, he was actually dating both of us for a while. Oh, dear. Okay. Uh, uh, was there full information? We, oh, yeah, okay. Full All right. information. Okay. Total That's good. full information. That's legit. Good. But what's funny is that he was clearly, like, having a good time with her. <laughs> and I, I was like, so what did you do last weekend? And he'd be like, I went out w- w- with a friend. <laughs> <laughs> And so finally, when he told me he wanted to date this other woman exclusively, I was like, good. Thank God. Like, now you can tell me what you were actually doing last weekend. Like, yeah. you don't have to be all mysterious about it. They are still together. I follow them on Instagram. Oh, that's sweet. Okay. Yeah. So Made the right choice. I would have been the wrong choice. Very good. <laughs> so that universe is going well, then. Doctor Strange has little time to contemplate his own happiness, however, as right outside Christina's wedding venue, a giant squid is attacking America Chavez. With an assist from Sorcerer Supreme Wong, Strange defeats the squid and learns that America is familiar with the concept of the multiverse and has the ability to jump between verses. The dreams our Strange has been having are actually other Doctor Stranges failing to help America, and she has a strange corpse to prove this fact. So Wong takes America Chavez to Camartage for protection. Seeing magical runes during the attack, Strange decides to consult with Wanda Maximoff, who is still reeling from, oh, let's see, the death of her brother, the death of Vision, and the death of the children that she conjured up in Westview. After telling Wanda where America is, stupidly, Strange realizes... <laughs> this is a dumb scene. This is just an all-over dumb scene, yeah. really. <laughs> Steven realizes that the Scarlet Witch is the one trying to capture her. Armed with the Darkhold, Wanda wants to absorb America's power to verse jump and then go to a universe where her boys Billy and Tommy are real. She tells Strange to be prepared to surrender America the next day. Anna, let's talk about how much this movie leans on past Marvel content. So beyond the first Doctor Strange film and the last two Avengers flicks, I'm not sure this film makes much sense unless viewers also watched, at a minimum, WandaVision, possibly Spider-Man No Way Home, and What If, frankly. And it also wouldn't have hurt to be familiar with the old X-Men films, Captain Marvel, and even the failed obscure ABC show Inhumans, which I did not know existed up until I watched this film. Is there such a thing as too much homework for a Marvel fan? <laughs> yes. Okay. I, yeah, and this is this is it. WandaVision 
we maybe should have a special episode on WandaVision. I have so many thoughts about it. Mm -hmm. But it didn't suffer from this. Mm-hmm. But there, it is one of the Marvel properties that there are two viewing experiences to be had. Right. You know, mm-hmm. like, and it's it's just those. It, it in what is troublesome is when those experiences are really different. Yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. if a deeper reading, a reading that has all the different Marvel knowledge in mm-hmm. it, like, gives you a different read on. And I would say on that's on the thing that you're seeing, like. Yeah. Like the Scarlet Witch is a villain. Right. You know? Which and I... If you had known that going mm-hmm. in, <laughs> you know, her turn might not have had... It, it, I would almost be disappointed, right? Like, to know that going in. But then yeah. at the same time, you would have picked up on a lot of details that right. I, as only a casual MCU fan, you know, probably didn't get. The way I would put it is that, like... I don't think you can enjoy this film quite as much if you didn't, at a minimum, watch WandaVision. Because what WandaVision mm-hmm. did for me, it actually made the film a little more surprising to me because I never thought of Wanda as a villain. And so it was only watching this film, like, I think it was literally only two-thirds of the way through that I realized, oh, wow, no, she really is the villain. Okay, there's not going to be, like, you know, a subsequent thing. And so it actually made it sadder for me. But also, like, the, the good thing about WandaVision, at least in particular, is that it really helps ground Wanda's character. And we'll talk a little more about her, I think, going forward. But I found that that show added weight in a good way to this film, I guess would be the way. Yeah, and I do think that if you haven't seen WandaVision, her turn into the villain would be very abrupt. Yeah, yeah, yes, that's true. Very, very abrupt. (laughs) And also the stuff that I had problems with would be even more problematic. Yeah. I want to stress I didn't have huge problems, but but we'll get to the stuff that bothered me. Fair enough. I also want to say that the guy who kills with his voice from Inhumans. Yes. Should I say that now? I'll say that sure. later. I just think it's stupid. I just, it's, think, <laughs> I just think it's totally dumb. So fun fact, I don't know. The actor who plays him is Anson Mount, who also plays yeah. Christopher Pike in Strange New World. So. Right. Yes. Which, I, again, had no idea that show existed. I think it's safe to say that you don't need to watch that show to enjoy this. It was just sort of an obscure sort of addition. One of the things, I have to admit, I think I am enjoying the way MCU is taking the other properties that it, like, seeded throughout television and, like, (laughs) trying to slowly bring them back in. Borg-like. Yes. It it is Borg-like. I agree with that. That is a perfect way of capturing it. Yes. I was going to mention Moon Knight here real quick, which we both watched Mm -hmm. and both enjoyed, I think. Yeah being Oscar Isaac stands mm-hmm. the two of us. Right. It's interesting in, in sort of some similar ways in that there's two different viewing experiences to be had. You know, like the the Moon Knight has a deep history in the Marvel universe. Hmm. Okay. With lots and there's lots of like hints and lots of characters that come up. True. And if you're just watching it, it's a good experience. Yes. And know. watching Oscar Isaac there's there's a couple episodes where he is you realize what good acting looks like in an MCU property is the way I would put it. Yeah. And he's, he, it, yeah. yeah. He kind of, and, and also there's Ethan Hawke, who's not necessarily <laughs> no? doing what the thing we call acting. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? He's got that gravelly voice. That's a lot of acting. I don't get, but yeah. I mean, he's, he's fine. It's just, his character has, is literally like, his character has one note. Like, that's the way I That was the I was making one note. See, get it? Get it? Got it. Got it. Cool. All right. Let's go to Act 2. All right. Let's proceed to Act 2. Welcome to Universe 838. So, the Scarlet Witch attacks Carmitage, and who boy, it is bloody. 
Wanda wins and is about to wrest America's powers away from her when America takes Strange and escapes to Universe 838, which contains a slightly more colorful and floral New York and slightly more drab clothing. In case you were wondering, listeners, our universe is Universe 616, which is apparently consistent with how they deal with it in the comics. Scarlet Witch uses her power to dreamwalk into that universe's Wanda, but it doesn't last because a sorcerer destroys Universe 616's copy of the Darkhold. Wanda forces Wong to take her to Mount Wondagore, where the original Darkhold exists. Now, I'm not going to lie, Anna. When I first heard that, I thought it was, really, they named the Mount Wondagore? Like, I... <laughs> that, that's where the names are getting a little too similar to me. Yeah. Strange and America head to Universe 838's New York Sanctum, which is run by Strange's old frenemy, Mordo. In that universe, Strange is celebrated as a hero who gave his life to defeat Thanos. It looks like Mordo is going to help them, but nope, he drugged their tea, and they awake to find themselves being studied by that universe's Christine Palmer. Strange is taken to meet the Illuminati, a secret society consisting of Mordo, Captain Carter, King Bolt, Captain Marvel, who is Maria Rambeau in this universe, Reed Richards from the Fantastic Four, and Professor Charles Xavier. We should pause here for everyone to squee if they see fit, since, after <laughs> all, Reed Richards is played by John Krasinski, Charles Xavier is played by Patrick Stewart, who is, of course, Charles Xavier in the old X-Men films. And John Krasinski was fan cast. Like, he, he was <laughs> talked about on the internet as being a good Reed Richards. So that was, like, the this fan service on a silver platter. Yes. Right there. Yes. The Illuminati explain that Earth-838 Strange used that universe's Darkhold to fight Thanos. Didn't tell anyone, and triggered as a result a universe-destroying incursion, which happens when two universes collide. Universe 838 survived, the other universe did not. The Illuminati killed Strange before he caused more harm. Our Doctor Strange tries to warn them about Wanda, but the Illuminati fear Earth-616 Strange is similarly arrogant and dangerous. Which, let's face it, he's an ex-surgeon, not the most unreasonable proposition. <laughs> A time-tested MCU rule of thumb is that any particular film-slash-TV show is only as good as its villain. By that metric, this is a really good movie. Scarlet Witch is the villain, but she's come by her motivations and anger honestly. At least that is my take. Anna, what is your take? So I want to admit here that I saw this movie a couple days after the Roe decision leaked. Uh. Which I believe colored my feelings mm -hmm. about the portrayal of motherhood okay. and what happens to women who are denied denied motherhood mm. and it, i don't have like a super articulate critique about that i don't think the movie's really trying to say anything at all like i i, I do think like i said there's part of me that feels like witchcraft versus sorcery is just a gender distinction <laughs> Which is kind of problematic, yeah, actually. Yeah, fair enough, yeah. It, it's um, true, yes. And, and again, I don't know if this is intentional or non-intentional, whatever. It is just a true thing that witchcraft is associated with women and actually associated with women and pregnancy and control over bodies mm -hmm. a lot of the time. If you look back in history, one reason why some women were accused of being witches is their ability is, is helping other women to abort you know, their pregnancy. Mm -hmm. So... I was just weirdly uncomfortable with this whole storyline. <laughs> and I wish I had something smarter to say about it. But that line, I texted you, you know, I'm not a monster. I'm a mother. <laughs> it bothered me. Something about it just hit me really, really wrong. Hmm. And 
I understand, again, I have to, it's weird how much my childlessness comes up on this podcast. <laughs> but, you know, as a non-mother, mm-hmm. like, I, I don't, I, I can just stipulate, yes, losing one's children might drive you to this kind of madness. Mm-hmm. And yet, on the other hand, as a woman who has no children by choice, the idea that not having children would be such a life-destroying thing See, okay, troubles me. I, I understand. Let me put it this way. I kind of get where you're coming from, but the one thing I would push back on is, is that this is not a story. Wanda's story is not a story about a woman who chose not to have children and then, you know, feels lost about that. This is a woman who... By having children and then losing them, you know, has the sense of grief and loss that one would hope any parent um, I, would imagine I, any I parent hear you. I totally hear you. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm saying, like, I think this was just It was just bad timing. an accident. Yeah, yeah. I think there's just a tiny grain of truth to this. Let me put it one other way, which is, uh, uh, that's fair. And in some ways, the the sort of extra outside of the MCU thing that affects me in terms of this performance is that Elizabeth Olsen, you know, didn't just do an outstanding job in WandaVision. There is a very little watched uh, television show she did for Facebook, actually, called Sorry for Your Loss, mm. which is about she's the widow of a uh, of someone uh, someone who died. And that is a shattering portrait of grief and loss. And it's the thing, it, 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 Elizabeth Olsen is extremely good at portraying that. And so in some ways, watching this sort of reminded me of that as well. You know what I want to say about it is yeah. that, yes, this can happen. I totally believe that, mm-hmm. that, yes, and you're right. It's the, I had children and they were taken right. from me. Although, yeah. admittedly, in this it's particular a case, weird way, yeah. it's very, like yeah. she has to decide to not have them, actually. Mm-hmm. Like it is her choice to, to destroy Westview. I guess, yes. Yeah, that's, it an, is. Interesting way, that's an interesting way of Point putting blank, it. Point blank, it is. Yeah, yeah, like, she true. has to, and that's one of the reasons why it's something of a turn when we discover she's the villain, because the way that WandaVision ends is that she is decided to do the right thing. Right. That's that true. she has decided she will release all these people from her nightmare. Right. And allow this universe, 616, to mm-hmm. be without vision, or at least color vision. Right. <laughs> Um, spoiler. Yeah. And her children. She does make a choice. That's true. You know. That's true. And so I do think, so I do think the the seed of actual like critique I have in my head here Mm -hmm. is just that this is messaging that's really prevalent in our culture that this idea that children, 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 you know, Mm -hmm. like is the completion of a woman's journey, you know, on this earth. And Again, I don't, this is not like a thought out, this is what's wrong with this movie. And I, you know, I'm going to write a, a take mm-hmm. about it. It's just in the context of having the decision come out and really thinking about this stuff. Mm-hmm. It just hit me that way. Fair enough. All of that said, mm-hmm. the best exchange in the movie <laughs> is <laughs> when Strange says, Wanda, your children aren't real. You created them with magic. And she says, that's what every mother does. Great line. That is a pretty good line. And yes. true, yes. true. Yes. I mean, I'm, again, the magic of childbirth is magic, and <laughs> I will never experience it. I got other magic going on. But you do. Anyway. All right, let's move on. Do you understand what I'm saying? I like, do understand what you're saying. No, no, no. I think, I, and you're, I'd forgotten, but that's the way that WandaVision had ended, and so I think that's a fair 
that's a fair critique. All right, let's yeah. move to Act 3. Let's make an MCU slasher film. Scarlet Witch makes it to Wondagore. Dream walks again into Universe 838's Wanda and heads to Illuminati Central to grab America. As the battle rages, Xavier decides he trusts Strange, at least Universe 616 is Strange, and tells him to use the Book of Vishanti if all else fails. And sure enough, all else fails as Wanda, <laughs> as Wanda destroys the Illuminati in what is a pretty kick-ass battle scene. Like, I, there's no point in describing it, but like, it's actually really done. But I did have a question for you on this, Anna, which is one of the things that I think the MCU has done extremely well is that it's nailed the stakes in almost all mm. of its films. Like, it takes death seriously. It takes the possibility yep. of things ending seriously. And, you know... In recent films, it has figured out a way like to work around that. In, in Avengers Endgame, it was by going back in time. And now with both Spider-Man No Way Home and this movie, it's the multiverse. And I, I do think that like if anyone is going to have fun killing superheroes, it should be Sam Raimi. So I'm really glad this scene exists. But I am a little worried, or I guess are you worried to some extent that by doing this, it sort of cheapens when people die since there are ways in which you can clearly revive them through the multiverse yeah and this is the part that adorno would just had to fit over yeah. um, <laughs> um you guys talk about like ip is a flat circle mm -hmm. which is a section of the newsletter i mean <laughs> what i think of when they've you know brought in the multiverse is that they can make marvel movies forever right there is just no end to the ip yeah right yeah and i mean and, you know, there's no real end to IP ever because people keep having ideas, I guess, yeah, right? Yeah. But, like, there's no end to, like, the way that they can pull from stuff and mm -hmm. just keep reusing and keep reusing and keep reusing, which is the part that Adorno would have hated. No, if anything, what um, they've done, it's not just that they're it, it'll go on forever. As, as the MCU has proceeded, it is also expanded. It's pulled back into time. So it's gone yeah. back and drawn from the Spider-Man, the old Spider-Man movies. And that's, no, that's what I mean. And the, it's like the, the IP, the Fox the, the IP yeah. is infinite. There's right. just no, there's not only just no stakes, there's no rules. Yeah. And that's concerning. I mean, I think we have to look at the Loki series, mm -hmm. actually, which would be another piece of homework right. <laughs> for this movie. Yeah. Because the Loki series deals with the idea of multiverses as a bad thing. Right. Right? Yeah. In the Loki movie, Loki series, is all about preventing multiverses from forming. Mm -hmm. And it is because and of the way that Loki series ended that they have done multiverses with What If and Doctor Strange and, and Spider-Man No Way Home. Right. So, I mean, I guess I hope that there is some imposition of rules on multiverses, I guess. I, I and not just not just for the enjoyment of the movies, but yeah. also because it is just it is sort of disorienting to think that you can kill somebody in a movie and then they just come back. Like I mean, unless he's Tom Cruise, yes, I think that's that's. Uh, we, yeah. Oh, and that's so fan casting. Uh, Tom Cruise was was maybe going to be Iron Man in one of the multiverses. Ah, okay. So, so that would have been fun. I was thinking and also there's sort of a limit to fan service too, right? Yeah, like, yeah that's the other yeah. thing that can be annoying about watching a Marvel movie when right. you don't know everything. Is that like you you know that something's fan service? Like you kind of can tell. You can from sense the way that it's presented. Right. But you don't have any knowledge what it is yeah. that can feel kind of off-putting. I will say in this case, as I said, I did not, I, to be clear, 
it's not that I had a problem with how they did it in this film. I actually thought no. it was a great battle scene. I thought it was having Krasinski as, as Reed Richards was a delight. Having Patrick Stewart anytime is a delight. Yeah. And, and also, again, I will always give props to the MCU because they have found a way constantly to get Haley Atwell into these films, even though Haley Atwell's character has died long ago. So, like, it's an, it's an impressive move. So there's a good thing. And also, I will say that if they can create multiverse rules, quote-unquote yeah. rules, where the multiverses are actually kind of different... Right. Then it could work. That can help, because, like, the idea that you would have Tom Cruise as mm-hmm. um, Iron Man, that there would be, a, like, a Tony Stark wouldn't yeah. necessarily be Iron Man. Or the way it's presented in Spider-Man No Way Home, where we right. have these different Spider-Men that have different sets of skills and became Spider-Men different ways. Exactly, And, yeah. like, can compare experiences. Th- and it would matter if one of them died in their universe. I think the way to put it is that the MCU needs its own version of the Book of Vishante and not yes. a Darkhold, I guess, would be the way to put it. So I, w- yes. I want to make sure the MCU doesn't rely on the Darkhold. Okay, yes. so anyway... Christine takes Strange and America to the portal that that universe's Strange used to get to the Book of Vishanti, pursued by a very determined Wanda. Wait, 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 Dan, should we talk about that scene? Uh, which scene? Yes. The pursuit. Oh, yeah. Okay, go ahead. Go for it. Yeah, that's the Sam, Ra- that's a big bite of Sam Raimi. Oh, right yes, there. yes, yes. Like, that is probably the most horrific part of the movie, mm-hmm. I would say is the chase scene when Wanda is chasing them to the portal to the, the Vishanti. I don't think it takes very long. No, it's like five but, minutes or even less than five minutes, I would say. Yeah, but yeah. Do, you, do you know what I mean? He does yeah. very Sam Raimi, like, oh, yeah. he's swerving of the of the camera. Yeah. Wanda looks like a horror witch. Oh, yes, very like, much all so. all covered in blood, yeah. her fingertips black. Yeah. Like, And also there's like, there's a jump scare, I think, right in the middle there. I'm pretty sure there like, was, yeah. Yes, Yes. Like, that is the most Raimi-ific part of the entire movie. Yeah. Uh, Aside from the Bruce Campbell cameo. There we go. <laughs> which, was, which was delightful, I have to say. Yeah. So they make it to the Raimi-verse, but before Strange can use the Book of Ashanti, that pesky Scarlet Witch appears. She takes over Chavez's mind and uses her powers to send Strange and Christine into yet another universe, one that has already been wrecked by an incursion. They proceed to that universe's New York Sanctum again and encounter that universe's Strange who is a bad, 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 bad man. Corrupted by the Darkhold, he battles our Strange in a pretty fun music fight, actually, but thankfully loses. Meanwhile, Wanda, back in our universe, is trying to extract America's powers uh, at Wondegore while Wong hangs on for dear life. So, Anna, as you said, as you noted, one of the more elastic properties of the MCU is how each film can take on a different tone whether it's conspiracy theory or comedy or war picture or so forth. This was a really good slasher film, I thought. That was what I kept thinking watching this. Is it my imagination? Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. I mean, we just talked about that. That yeah. one sequence is is, is is slasher. That's what I should have yes. called it. Yeah, slasher. You know, is it, that is a slasher scene, yeah. that whole chase sequence. Yeah. There's also some really specific Raimi touches, which I will admit I use the internet to <laughs> fully get a list of Fair enough. but you will recognize them when i mention them yes as we said bruce campbell and his evil arm <laughs> yes that is a classic evil dead reference right? yeah flying eyeballs mm-hmm. there is an eyeball that pops out with all the viscera behind oh it. that's right yes in i believe evil dead mm-hmm. maybe not one um and then they have the eyeball popping out of the monster yeah um and then there is this very particular camera work that he does mm-hmm. that we all instinctively associate with slasher films but mm-hmm. Raimi does a particularly kind of 
fluid version of, yeah. I would say, which is sort of a floor level weaving around furniture and whatnot that comes into the protagonist or the villain's face. Yeah, I think the peak of that was actually in a way that Spider-Man in Spider-Man 2, there's a great scene where he uses that to extremely good effect. Spinning zoom pullouts mm-hmm. does those a lot. Mm-hmm. The Illuminati deaths are pretty Raimi, yeah. too. Yeah. They're gruesome. Oh, like, yeah. They're like, <laughs> this is why the movie almost got an R. Yeah, there was like, some debate about whether this movie deserved an R rating or not. I it, I would not take a child to see this movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, there is no way. And and we were talking about the deaths a, a little while ago, yeah. right? But to just talk about them again, it's such a great scene in part because... Well, in part because of stakes. At least you yeah. believe there are stakes in this universe. Right, exactly. That it means something for, you know, Reed Rich, R- Richard Reed. Reed Richard, Richard Reed. No, no, no. Reed, Reed Richards. Richards. Reed Richards. Richard Reed was the shoe bomber. Reed Richards Richard is, is Dr. Fantastic or whatever his name. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yes. yes. And it means something when he dies, right? Yeah. Like, at least in that moment. Yeah. yeah. Without knowledge of whatever future films I will say all of those were good. First of all, I I did have the experience watching this film of like, I don't think I'd, I I don't think I realized I'd missed like the combination of Sam Raimi and Danny Elfman, who does the score and mm-hmm. is you I associate now with Raimi films. All of what you said was very good in terms of slash film. That said, I will say the scariest single moment in this film for me, there is a brief moment when Elizabeth Olsen, when Wanda takes over the other universe's Wanda and she just looks to camera for just a brief second and then turns to the kids. And that look to the camera was chilling. You reminded me of another slasher moment, which is the way that Wanda has a peek into the other universe. And she's like looking between um, the stairway, you know, banister. And that's a very home invasion slasher. Yeah. You know, POV. It's like, you know, POV of the villain. Yeah. The last thing I want to mention about what makes this a Raimi movie is that he has an Oldsmobile Delta 88 in every movie. <laughs> oh, I did not know that. Okay. Which I I only found out through my okay. somewhat cursory searching. <laughs> it's floating through one of the timelines that they fall through when they fall through. Oh, and you know what? We haven't mentioned that scene. Oh, where they go the through all the timelines? where they fall through all those different universes. One of which was paint, Some I think? Some people hate that scene. Really? Some people really hate that. Yeah. No. But... I, yeah, it's good. No, it's I good. liked it. That it's, was it's, that was. Fun. It's amusing, which yeah. is weird to have a little bit tonal change. Yeah, in the middle. Of the and there movie, was a but... there was a cartoon one also, if I remember, sir. So yeah, no, I like yes. that. I kind of want to watch that. Yes, again. and apparently there's lots of little like nuggets I'm for sure. MCU heads yeah. to pick out of those those universes. All right, let's move on to Act Four. It's a mad, 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 mad multiverse. Our Doctor Strange decides to use the Darkhold in the corrupted universe he's in to dreamwalk into the strange corpse that America brought with her to Universe 616. You all still following me, listeners? Despite a few supernatural difficulties, Strange Corpse, I'm going to call it Strange Corpse, Strange Corpse makes it to Wondagore to battle Wanda. It looks like the only way Strange Corpse can win is to take America's powers for himself, which is pretty much what every other Strange has attempted in every other universe. Our Strange, however, moves down the learning curve a bit and tells America that she could harness her power all along, much like Dorothy and Oz, <laughs> and defeat Wanda. <laughs> Chavez then transports Scarlet Witch. I mean, this is a real, with a real power was the friends we made along and, the way. I, it, I it, mean, is, it is exactly that. I, I just realized that as I was saying it, but yes, that's that's correct. Chavez then transports Scarlet Witch back to Earth 838, allowing her to see Billy and Tommy recoil in fear at her bullying ways. Our Wanda, realizing what... And she's a fucking witch, Dan. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, when yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. She's also dre- she's gone full witch dress too. Like she's a witch. Yes. I mean, like that. I actually that I thought that was kind of brilliant. Yeah, actually, I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As far as like America's choice of how to stop Wanda. Yes. In other words, she made Wanda stop herself, actually. Because our Wanda, realizing what she's done, uses her power to bring down Mount Wondegore and destroy all copies of the Darkhold throughout the multiverse. She seemingly sacrifices herself in the process, but let's be honest, it's the MCU, so who knows. Our film ends as all MCU films should end with America training at Carmitage. <laughs> with America, sorry, uh, with America training at Carmitage. Doctor Strange acquiring a third eye and a potential love interest, and Bruce Campbell punching himself in the face and then declaring the film is over in the best post-credit scene in a long damn while. Anna, do you think that Raimi and Danny Elfman are compatible with the MCU? Yes, they are. Yes, uh, obviously. Yeah. Again. You have to do homework for this movie because I'm bringing up WandaVision again. Right. And other kinds of homework that I do for Marvel movies because I live alone with my dog <laughs> and don't really have a job right now. Well, then you don't really live alone, Anna, if you're with your dog. <laughs> with my dog. Yeah. I live alone with my dog <laughs> and I'm currently without a full-time gig. So I have time on my hands and what I do with some of that time while I'm cooking dinner, <laughs> I have started cooking dinner, by the way, Dan, Excellent. is watch breakdowns of Marvel movies on various fan U- YouTube channels. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, which is a kind of homework you have to do to really get at some of this stuff. Interesting. You know? Mm-hmm. And I bring it up here when you when you talk about Danny Elfman because one of the breakdowns I saw of WandaVision mm-hmm. and also parts of Spider-Man, it, they will the MCU has used uh, Elfman-esque music in the past right. to signify certain crossover times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And you saw in that different kinds of music. Yeah. That happens. Not just Elfman. They, they'll bring in other composers. Right. If they're making a reference to another movie. And that happens. Which I think it's super subtle and interesting. Yeah. No, that happens in this movie as well. And it happens during the Illuminati scene in particular. But I think also, like, they did a riff on the WandaVision theme when we first see uh, Scarlet Witch. But during the Illuminati scene, like, that old X Men theme is showing when they first bring out Xavier and so forth. They really actually sort of hewed to this old, like, you know, Broadway kind of like a musical right like having every character has their music has their own theme yeah I think we're gonna see more of this this has gotten pretty good reviews Mm -hmm. and it's gotten it's done very well at the box office so far I believe (laughs) second or third highest box office of the year and also I want to mention Charlize Theron Mm -hmm. who Uh, appears in the mid-credit scene mid-credit scene as Clea of the Dark Dimension I have a friend um, who is not into, you know, these big dumb movies that I like, Mm -hmm. not into science fiction, but she's a huge, as I am, Arrested Development fan. Mm. The first thing I did when I (laughs) got out of the movie was tell her that Charlize Theron is now in the MCU universe. (laughs) So so maybe she'll watch a movie with me. If anyone wants to know a little bit about Clea, she is a Doctor Strange love interest, Mm. um, and then she becomes the ruler of the Dark Dimension. This is from Wikipedia. But the phrasing is so funny, I want to quote it. Okay. Since they couldn't be legally married, as Clea is a extra-dimensional being, they begin Wait, the wearing fuck? magic ring. I know. Hold <laughs> I know, it. I, I will not stand for this. This is extra-dimensional, you know, discrimination. I can't believe that. Love is love, oh, Dan. Man. I mean, <laughs> I just thought that's funny. Yeah. Like, I, I think the and this is it's interesting what rules comic book creators <laughs> choose to enforce. Yes, fair enough. <laughs> 
Lots of other things can happen, but sorry, Strange and Clea can't get married because <laughs> no. one of them is an extra-dimensional being. That would, would, sorry. Be, would be wrong, Anna. <laughs> that would be wrong. That would be wrong. <laughs> Speaking of things being wrong, yes. Dan. Yes, Anna. Is there IR in this movie? Anna and listeners, you must fortify your minds against the fear that there is no IR in this film. Because, yeah, there are some. There's not a lot, but there's some. So I would say that there are really two elements of IR in this film. The first slightly more subtle one is the whole debate that the Illuminati have over who is the bigger threat. Strange is trying to tell the Illuminati, look, I don't think you realize what's coming down the pike with Wanda. Wanda is going to be a problem. You need to defeat the Scarlet Witch. Whereas the Illuminati seems super obsessed with Strange, which might seem odd. And yet, actually, the way to think about this is the way to think about how actors decide who they should balance against. Um, traditionally, realists have always talked about balance of power, that the most powerful actor is the one that other actors should balance against. But as Stephen Walt pointed out in his book, The Origins of Alliances, and as other scholars have, have talked about since then, really what states tend to do is not balance against power per se, but against threat. And if they mm -hmm. have had past dealings with actors that are enduring rivals or actors that have behaved badly on a regular basis... Even if they're not necessarily as powerful, those are the actors you're going to be concerned about because it's more likely that conflict is going to happen. And so while the Illuminati seems strangely smug when it comes to like, oh yeah, don't worry, we can handle Scarlet Witch and it's clear that they can't, I can't blame them entirely for being concerned about Doctor Strange because the movie makes very clear that most of the Doctor Stranges in the multiverse have gone mad and have done horrible things. And so it, it makes a great deal of sense that they wind up being more concerned about this Doctor Strange than the Scarlet Witch. On it, Can I interrupt really Yeah, quick? please, please. This is more just on the subject of Doctor Strange, but yeah. and not IR, although I totally think that's interesting, mm -hmm. the idea of threat versus danger, I think. Threat versus power, yeah. Threat versus power. Right. There's a lot of selfish superheroes yeah. in the Avengers. Yeah. Doctor Strange really is the most selfish one. Ooh, maybe. There, he's, I Tony, say most Tony selfish. Stark that's the, is that's pretty. Not, yes, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. But it is, and maybe it's not selfishness that, that distinguishes him. It's, or maybe it's just Benedict Cumberbatch's like <laughs> ability to portray the darkness, mm. the, the pull that darkness has. For strange that would be fair yes because tony is selfish but he also always believes he's genuinely doing the right thing whereas you're saying that he this ver the version of strange i would say let me put it this way the thing about dr strange and this is something that the movie actually does do a decent job of, of sort of noting is that the dr stranges are all i guess would say ends justify the means yeah people yeah. they're 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 total utilitarians yes and to get all philosophical that is very different from, let's say, Captain America. Captain America is a deontological hero, which is to say <laughs> is a, he's a Kantian hero. There are certain categorical imperatives you don't cross, even if mm -hmm. that leads to a, a better outcome. Right. And, and right. Strange is not that. You're right. And, and I mean, most superheroes are. I mean, yeah. that's like what makes them superheroes. And in fact, there's a discussion about this, right? Yeah. Like what makes someone a superhero is that they and that this is also the end of WandaVision. Mm -hmm is you know superhero that's not what i'm doing i'm not holding people hostage i'm not yeah. giving people nightmares and they're like oh wait a minute so oh, you are. are you really um, yeah exactly yeah and so it's strange just seems like the superhero that's the most willing to kind of 
go there. You're right. Yeah. It, go there. Because I think do the ends justify the means is a question is sort of the core question at most superhero movies, right? right? Like mm-hmm. there's always kind of the, and America, we tend to just not, even we don't want to deal with that question no, too much, right? Like really, that's, yeah. that's, we always go back and save the dog. We always go back and get our co- fallen yeah. colleague, whatever. Doctor Strange, like you wouldn't necessarily save the dog. Right. No, right? you believe this way. In the, in the final, like in the final act, when even Wong says you have to take America's powers, that's the only way to, to work out. You know, it's entirely believable that Strange would have done that because he did it every time before. So, like, that is where I think I will say the multiverse worked in favor of this movie is that it makes you realize there's a certain kind of character trait that persists. And it also makes you realize why our universe's Doctor Strange is interesting because he does, in the end, realize that that's actually not a great impulse necessarily. (laughs) And so that's that's worthwhile. Speaking of which, on a more base level, the other IR element of this, which is really not IR as much as, as political theory, is the notion that power corrupts. It's shot through this entire film. So mm-hmm. everyone who uses the Darkhold gets corrupted in this film. Like, it doesn't end well for anyone who uses the Darkhold. Even our Doctor Strange, who uses the Darkhold, winds up having a third eye at the end of the film, which I'm not sure is all that great. Scarlet Witch keeps upping her ambitions in response to her fears. So there's a great little exchange where someone asks her at one point... Why do you have to kill America and take her powers? Why can't you just use her, hop into a different verse, and that's that? And her answer is, because I need to make sure that my Billy and Tommy don't die, period. And if, like, something happens, I need to be able to jump into a mother multiverse. And by that logic, everyone needs, you know, total power. Um, and, of course, the Illuminati, who I did like how the Illuminati were so smug in their ability to mm-hmm. stop every threat. That was actually adorable. And, and so, therefore, it also made the battle awesome. Adorable. It's so cute when people think they can stop threats. Yes, exactly. But it was, it was, it was way. It made that battle all the more enjoyable because you realize they don't know what they're about to, to encounter. And it was legitimately uh, surprising. But Anna, I have a question. Dan. Is there a critique of capitalism in this film? Dan, food is free in most universes. <laughs> so there's a tiny critique of capitalism in this film. Anna, it like says something that one. now when I watch films like these, with like I heard that line, I was like, oh, Anna's going to love that. <laughs> Anna's so going to love that. Yes. I thought of you immediately. I have corrupted you. You have. You have corrupted me, yes. So yeah, food is free. That's cool. Lots of things should be free. Mm-hmm. Healthcare, housing, etc. But the point I want to make, and I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this, but there is throughout Doctor Strange movies uh, this idea of the price that needs to be paid hmm. for certain actions. And on the one hand, that's just a classic trope, mm-hmm. right? Like a fate, karma, messing with the you know natural order of things. You can't do that. There's always a price to be paid. But that language, I think, is kind of significant to use the language of the market mm. to describe that transaction. Mm-hmm. And it is something that proponents of capitalism kind of always think of the market as a natural thing, as a part of the natural order. It's our default way of dealing with each other. It's a powerful Um, rhetorical framing is to think of markets as natural as opposed to constructed. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, markets are constructed, (laughs) you know, and the market is not the only way to mediate human interaction Mm -hmm. or inhuman interaction. Oh, I see what you did there. That was very clever. That was very Thank clever. you, Dan. Thank you, Dan. Oh! <laughs> oh! Dan, <laughs> yeah, is it's the debris field of an incursion? It's an incursion! Crap! Yes! Yes! Uh, 
This is where we talk about the things that we haven't already talked about, mm -hmm. the debris field. Dan, what do you got? Not a ton, but a few things. First of all, again, always good to see Bruce Campbell. Like that, again, that makes it a Raimi film. It's a very smart cameo. And really, I did laugh pretty hard at that last post credit scene. It was, it was a good button on the film. And so, well done. I thought the music fight was cool in the corrupted verse. Like, I wasn't expecting that. That was like, dare I say it? I don't always say Sam Raimi has a sense of whimsy, but there, that was a whimsical way to go with the, the fight between the two Doctor Stranges. Really, the only other thing I have is, do the Avengers have like a national security classification in terms <laughs> of their information? So like in the very opening of the film, you see Doctor Strange and um, another surgeon or a doctor played by Michael Stolberg, where Michael Stolberg makes it clear that he is fully aware that Doctor Strange was the one who gave the time stone to Thanos. Because, if, as you recall in the Avengers films, that was the only way it could happen where the Avengers could win. And I was like, how does he know that? Like, are there tell-all books in this universe? Like, I can't see Strange telling everyone about this. Like, I, I, I love the idea of tell-all books coming out, like, after the Trump administration. Yeah, exactly. Like, all these things, like, all these things that really probably something, so, someone should have said during. I just, I like, again. <laughs> I don't know, they wait till after. I just, I love the idea. Like, so, so this is an interesting question. Who would have written the tell-all book? in the MCU? Who is the one most likely to write a tell-all book? That's a good question. Yeah. I mean, in, you know, Spider-Man, in this universe's Spider-Man, yeah. I think it's in No Way Home mm -hmm. that Flash writes oh, you're right. yeah, yeah, yeah. a tell-all. So there is a tell-all. That's true. I, I thought about that. that covers this. I know if it covers... I think it might have... But I will say this. It could have been oh, Ned. That's home, is that Homecoming? No, that's in No that's Way Home. No Way Home, but I think it could have been Ned. Ned, I could see writing a tell-all. Because he just thinks it's so cool. It would so be cool. like a tell-all. That's true. Yeah, it yeah. would. It would like be a celebration, but he might accidentally spill some stuff that wasn't right. To be in other words, it, like Ned would have written like the Mark Meadows book that wasn't intended to be a tell-all, but actually spills a lot of tea, as it were. I got it. He would have been the Tom Holland. Oh, uh, you know, there you go. Just Tom Holland. Yeah, because Tom Holland can't show up. Famous yes. for accidentally spoiling his own movies. Yes. Yes. <laughs> But anyway, it, so like Ned would be on the book tour for this. There we go, and then like accidentally be like, oh yeah, oh, and then there was this I really like cool that. time. I like that. There. But anyway, as I said, like I, I kept wondering, like who knows what about the Avengers? Like during this time, like the, the Avengers need a like classification system when it comes to information. That's all I'm saying. And there's sort of a you know info infosec problem yeah. throughout the Marvel universe. <laughs> <laughs> I am very curious how they're going to deal with the aftermath of Spider-Man No Way Home. Yeah. Like, how do you deal with Peter Parker not existing, but Spider-Man existing? Well, they've, they've already indicated that they've thought this through, but it's going to be complicated. Interesting. I will say this. The thing I did like, like, I there were elements of that plot move that were implausible in that film, but the thing I did like about it is that it ends with, Sp with Spider-Man being how we traditionally think of Spider-Man. Yeah. And yeah. so, like, you know, that was interesting. He's, like, almost literally in the Tobey Maguire apartment. Right, yeah, like, exactly. It, it's set up exactly like that apartment. Yeah. And he's also, I like, he's studying for the GED. Yeah. All right, well, do got I don't have much. I do think that America Chavez should have, like, been more developed. I don't know. I think she was just kind of a sidekick. Mm -hmm. And also, speaking of sidekicks, I don't think there was enough Wong. There should always who be is Wong. The sorcerer, there's who is the Sorcerer Supreme yeah. in... 616 yeah right and it occurred to me that the avengers movies are about teamwork right yeah it's about a band a they're all in a band it's about a band yeah. they're a band they're like the beatles yeah. they charged in the 60s <laughs> and 
in a lot of the stand, not standalone, but the individual character arc yeah. movies, there is a thread of working with others. Right. And this one is a really interesting version of that. I don't know. Hmm. Like, we don't see him. I don't know. I'm just thinking about it. I, I, I don't know. I think the ending of this movie, like, I liked it, but part of me, it left me unsatisfied. Well, not that it was bad, but like. I don't know. Maybe it's because there wasn't enough America Chavez. Like I don't know. Like the stakes weren't the same because part of me was like, oh, what? You know, I could believe that he would take her powers mm-hmm. because they hadn't made her enough of a character for me to think that the, yeah. the, that MC would be empty without her. All I will say is like I I can see why you would have wanted a little more there, but but I forgot this was something else that was important to me in terms of the debris field, which is. Props to Sam Raimi. I'm pretty sure this movie is under two hours, or if it's not, it's really close to two hours. It's, it's like two and eight. But it's like a, yeah. it's a blessedly short MCU film as these for things go. For an MCU movie. And I was it, grateful for that. Yeah. Like, never dragged. It was not boring. It was, it's legitimately wonderful to watch in the theater. I highly recommend that. Like, it was, it in that sense, yes, more MCU films that are about two hours. Like, save the epics for the Avengers ones, that's all I'm saying. In general, like, would you... Just a basic question: Would you recommend this movie? Oh, yes. Let me put it this way: it, But would you? Would it be for if you have seen all of the other movies? No. Should Karen see this movie? Oh, well, oh, that's those are high stakes. Wow. Hi, Karen. Karen, our editor, yeah, is not a huge fan of this genre. Let me put it this and way: She often tells us that she had like sometimes we talk about something on the show and in the editing of the show, she'll tell us, "Oh, I actually I decided to actually see that." Yes, the way you were talking about it made it sound interesting. And usually, she's been okay with that; like she hasn't regretted. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. She's enjoyed the stuff that she. I would say I would put it this way: I am sure someone has cut together a YouTube clip of the things you need to know before this. So, in fact, I'm pretty sure the Ringer had a column saying, "Here's what you need to know going into this film." I would recommend anyone unfamiliar with the MCU or barely familiar with the MCU who is told go see this movie. You need to do at least a little homework. I think you do need to read one of those columns. And then if you do that, I think you can enjoy it. Because it's an entertaining film. And it's not just an entertaining film. It's an entertainingly shot film. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it it's scary at times. It's funny at times. And it, it moves along. It's, an, you know. And so, yeah, I would say yes. And there's good cameos. Yeah. So, right. yeah, I would say so. What about you? Well, I just, I will trust Karen to figure out whether or not she wants to see it. I say, Karen, if you're willing to do the homework... Yes. Go for and it. And it's not much homework, but, if, but like but 10 minutes But if you homework. would rather just play with Alwyn, that's we, 15 minutes you wouldn't spend playing with Alwyn, so... Yeah. You know... We would approve of either a, choice. That's a tough ask. Yes, fair enough. Tough ask. All right, Dan, I think that's about what we have. Next week is Gattaca, then Strange New Worlds, and then we have only one month until Hot Sci-Fi Summer, yes. which we have determined will be somewhat 80s-themed. I think that is our goal. Though that will, Thor, Love, and Thunder, With I think. With the exception of Thor, but Thor is sort of 80s-themed. Exactly, yes. Like, if you've seen the trailer right. scored to Sweet Trial of Mine, then... Which is, is technically yeah, which is technically a '90s yeah. song, but we'll, it's early. Yeah, it 90s. feels like the exactly. '80s. Yes, <laughs> it's hair metal. Hair. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> All right, but until next time, keep this channel open. <laughs>